Okay, so welcome everyone. I'm here. Uh, it is Thursday, January 25th at 12.15 or so in the afternoon, um, Eastern Standard Time in America. I guess it's 5.15 or so in Britain. And I'm here with Mark Collette. And uh, after I saw the headlines yesterday about um, uh, patriotic alternative activist uh, Sam Melia, I hope I'm pronouncing his last name correctly, uh, basically being uh, strung up, <laughs> lynched by, uh, you know, I, I know you might have to be careful how you talk about this, Mark, but I can say whatever I want. Uh, theoretically, um, I messaged Mark and I was like, do you want to come and tell our audience the sort of the nuts and bolts of what's happened here? Because I think a lot of people have seen the news and know about it now, but they don't necessarily know the whole story. And this is also not the first person um associated with patriotic alternative that they've done up on some bs you got three people now sam being the third i think if i'm correct me if i'm wrong on that but let's just start at the beginning with this case of sam how did it come about that he was arrested and charged well firstly or you start uh, where you want yeah <laughs> yeah i just want to correct a little thing these people were part of patriotic alternative mm -hmm. but actually none of the people that we're talking about have been arrested for anything they did right. with Patriotic Alternative. Right. All of the charges relate to things they did before they were part of Patriotic Alternative and are basically unrelated to Patriotic Alternative. Now, sometimes Patriotic Alternative does get brought up yeah. during their trials yeah. because some of them say, well, look, I'm part of this group now. I'm not part of the old group I'm in. Patriotic Alternative is a community-based group. I'm participating in the democratic process, etc., etc." Mm -hmm. But um, they, this was another case of somebody doing something before they were part of Patriotic okay. Alternative. So right. Before um, Patriotic Alternative existed, uh, Sam Melia began his own group, and it mm -hmm. was called The Hundred Handers. And the hundred handers. I remember that. I remember that group. It was it was a good idea, basically. Well, yeah. I can't, you know, it's turned out not to be a good idea, obviously. But we'll go into that. Yeah. Um, but the idea of hundred handers was that people would go to a, a web archive, print off stickers which had catchy slogans on, um, print them off using a brother mini printer, and they could distribute them anywhere. And this was a way to allow people to produce very cheaply their own uh, propaganda mm. and put them up. So it was a, it was a, it was a route into sort of democratic activism yeah. for anybody, but without you having to go to a big printer, get things centrally, you, you could choose which messages you wanted to deliver, where you wanted to stick them up. Um, there were rules to the organization but the general feeling of it was it mm -hmm. was it was anonymous so this was to protect people who were part of it and so that people would focus on the message the message of the stickers not the group so the group didn't have a big website it didn't stream there was no dramas around it it was just all about the message sam didn't want it to be about people but about the it, pure yeah. message of the stickers so before PA was a thing, he was just doing this off his own back because he wanted to give people like him the sort of every man who probably couldn't get up on a stream and, you know, do debates and stuff like that, a way that, to fight back anonymously and safely. And obviously now he's been found guilty in a court of law uh, of two charges relating to this. And the two charges were... Um, 
he was inciting racial hatred. Uh, that was the first charge. And the second were, was that he was encouraging I'll have to just get this right. Let me bring it up because I've got it here and I, I don't want to get this wrong. Mm-hmm. Because obviously, if I do, it, it's not going to be perfect. So the um, the first was he was publishing a sticker archive or publishing material, which was the sticker archive of 310 stickers with the intention of stirring up racial hatred. The second charge was publishing material that encouraged racially motivated criminal damage so they were saying that because these were stickers this was criminal damage and because the the intent was um racial hatred it was racially motivated criminal damage so he was uh, publishing material (laughs) encouraging people to go out and commit racially motivated criminal damage those were the two charges and he was found guilty unfortunately on both of those and you might think how can he get a guilty verdict on yeah. two charges for stickers. Well, buckle up because this is <laughs> probably the most insane story that you're going to hear. And when you've heard this, you're going to be left scratching your head. Now, I'm firstly, before you start asking me questions, mm-hmm, yeah. I want to qualify a few things. Sure. Yeah. I was there nearly every single day in court. Mm-hmm. I wasn't there on the first day because Sam and Laura asked me not to be because they needed an expert witness and they were still deciding who was going to be the expert witness to testify for Sam. And it was a debate between me and Laura and we all felt at the end of the first day it'd be best if it was Laura. But if you're going to be a witness, you can't sit in on the trial. Oh, really? So I missed the first day and then I, si- I sat in every day since then. Now, some of those days I had to leave early to like, pick my daughter up, etc. But um, for... A number of those days I was there for the duration, the whole day in court. So I saw the vast majority of the legal arguments, the evidence presented, the vast majority of Sam's um, cross-examination, all of Laura's expert testimony and cross-examination, most of the prosecution. And I sat in numerous private discussions with Sam's legal team. So other than Sam and Laura, who can't speak about this case at the moment because he is being sentenced on March the 1st and the judge has asked for a full um, uh, court report and uh, pre-sentencing report by a series of experts before he sentences Sam. So Sam's got basically just over a month of freedom left while this report's being prepared. And in that time, it's not wise for him to do anything that could prejudice that report. So at the moment, I'm doing the rounds, speaking about this on as many different places as possible to get the word out. When you say experts, like what is that going to mean? Like people who say that they're experts in like extremism and hate, like journalists, there's nothing like that, like legal experts. Sentencing report is when you speak to qualified experts in say sort of criminal psychology um you know behavioral experts people who interview you and try to get a read on what kind of person you are and collate evidence as to who you are and how much uh, and what you're what you're really like so the judge can take that into account when sentencing so when they interview you if they um if they find you to be a good, genuine person motivated by uh, sort of more honorable motivations, you might get a lesser sentence where if they talk to you and find you to be some crazy, unrepentant nutter, 
then it's going to be a harsher sentence. Well, this presents kind of a problem on a political trial like this, because while certainly I'm sure that he would come across as a completely sane and normal individual, there would, and look, I don't want to be, I'm almost afraid to say what I'm going to say, but I'm, but like the idea being that like, it's sort of like he feels justified. You feel, we all feel justified in our political viewpoint. And I don't think we want to change it or change what we stand for politically and what we're fighting for. So if they, they might, I mean, if they're going to be pressing to be like, are you sorry? Do you renounce this and that? Like, I would worry about that. I don't know if I'm making. No, putting, it's it's more along the creating things. more problems. Why did, with, they'll yeah. ask him why he did that. What was his motivations? What does mm-hmm. he do? You know. Oh, I see. You know, is he a family man? How much time does he spend with his family? Does he care for anybody? How does his wife get around? They take all these things into account. So you will hear, there was a famous case of um, a Muslim rapist. Now, this Muslim rapist hadn't actually raped a white girl. He'd actually, it was sort of an outlying case where he'd actually targeted a young girl with his own community. Mm -hmm. So he'd raped uh, or, or sexually interfered with a young girl who was in his care. Now, his wife did not speak English and couldn't drive and relied completely on him for her well-being. So the pre-sentencing report for this monster noted down that sort of his wife basically could not function without him being a free man. And the judge basically gave him a suspended sentence so that you know she didn't suffer as well. And that sounds absolutely ridiculous to allow a man to walk free from court um, because his wife wouldn't be able to cope without him. But they do take those things into account. So, for example, if a if a guy was, you know, went out on a Friday night and got into a punch up and broke somebody's jaw, that might be jailable. It probably would be a jailable offense. But if he lived with his elderly mother. And she relied on him 100% for her care, uh, the application of her medication, etc. That might be something that would be a mitigating factor that would lead to him getting a suspended sentence. So you still get what's you still get a custodial sentence. So the judge would say, I sentence you to 18 months in jail. But due to your circumstances, I choose to suspend that sentence Mm -hmm. for the duration of the sentence plus so many months you know obviously mm. bearing in mind you your, your good behavior through that period so that you can you know care for your mother etc now presumably with him he could say something like well yeah i believe he has small children right and he has he has one child okay. who's two and a he, and his wife laura who we all know laura mm. towler she's currently pregnant and she's giving birth in 12 weeks so fundamentally we're in a situation now where if he does go to jail, he will miss the birth. Yeah. They're going to be forcing him. Yeah. And she's going to be bad for the children. She doesn't drive. Um, She has an elderly grandma that Sam does the shopping for takes to her medical appointments because Sam is sort of the driver in the household and he looks after, you know, Laura, the child, you know, and Laura's elderly grandma. So there will be, you know, some mitigating circumstances. Also, you just don't want, these kids to have their father absent for the first years of their life because that causes lasting harm to them. Well, uh, yeah. and, and he's I mean, no I'm threat saying- to the public. He's no he's no danger to the public or anybody. I mean, it's it's frankly the whole thing is is it, it's absurd. It's a witch on. It's political uh, and it's disgusting. But yeah. um, I mean, I would say the, the biggest the biggest thing that I would be concerned about being a dad myself. 
is not so much the newborn, but his two-year-old daughter. Right. Yeah. Like the newborn, if the newborn's born and he's in jail for the first year of her life, that is terrible. But it would you you could come in there and build a relationship and the child would never know you were missing what would cause the emotional distress right. it's his yeah. two-year-old daughter where's daddy where's daddy is yep. daddy coming home you know can i see daddy today can we go to the park with daddy and you know the answer is always going to be no daddy's in prison right and that would be the heartbreaking thing for a two-year-old who wouldn't be able to under who understands who daddy is and the importance of daddy but would not be able to comprehend the injustice of daddy being put in prison and the other heartbreaking thing is when children get to a certain age and start asking things like what is prison daddy what are the police are the police good people is prison where bad people go how do you explain to a child that well in general terms you'd say yes prison yeah. is a place bad people go but in regards to your father, your father was actually highlighting bad people who weren't being sent to prison, so they sent him to prison. Yeah. How, does a ch- how does a child yeah. even comprehend this? Yeah, no, it's a. I don't know. It's just it's it's mind blowing. So I want to um, circle back to some of the like some of the arguments that you you were talking about were being made because, as you said, the prosecutor acknowledged that the stickers. Um, themselves did not contain unlawful statements and that they did not contain lies either so he wasn't he wasn't like saying things like racially abusing another group and he wasn't saying things that aren't true so what's the you know like this that yet again they decided that still despite this the, the, there was this other issue of like how he was thinking about what he was doing when he did it that supposedly is the actual crime. And of course, I imagine they can't point to any victim either, right? Now, I know um, in in the United States, I, I think there's there's criminal law and civil law. And in civil law, if you want to take someone to court, you have to prove that you've you've been damaged somehow. Like there's actual damages the court can can recoup for you in the in the course of like a case or something like that but with criminal law you know you can be guilty by for victimizing someone or just breaking a statute so there, i guess there doesn't necessarily have to be a victim for you to commit a crime and that that that's like that here and i think it's like that there but it's like even so it's like okay so you've you've invented this sort of rube goldberg machine of a of a of a case whereby like someone who's saying things that are not lies and are not illegal but like telling and or sort of like encouraging others to say the same things is now like doing something wrong when none of the components of what he's doing are wrong. But the all together they they amount to something that's that's wrong. I guess that's kind of the argument the prosecutor was making, something like this. No, so, oh. <laughs> so <laughs> sorry, I guess I misunderstood. Well, kind of. So what they've said is first they acknowledged that the stickers and this is how insane this is so the first thing is they acknowledge that the stickers on their own did not constitute a crime that the stickers mm. were in fact lawful so and, and and several people had been arrested for putting out the stickers and all of those people had been released and no charges were brought so they acknowledged that the stickers themselves were lawful so that's quite an interesting point to make you know they're saying that these stickers in themselves individually do not constitute a crime and the language used on them is essentially uh, lawful language. That was the first thing they acknowledged. The second thing that they pointed out 
was that in a case such as this, the truth is no defense. Now, obviously, if you're intentionally lying about someone, they would use that against you. However, in this case, despite saying the truth is no defense, they never, ever tested the truth of any of the stickers. And the the Crown um, basically were satisfied that the stickers were truthful, that the statements on the stickers were truthful or could be backed up with factual evidence Mm -hmm. or academic reports. So that was... (laughs) Something that was, you know, pretty interesting to see them going through the stickers and saying, well, well, that's, you know, that's true. And that relates to this. And that relates to a report from this professor that was published in numerous newspapers. And right, right. These are the immigration numbers. for You know, it was stuff like that, really. So, mm-hmm. you know, so first they're lawful and secondly, they're true. So now you're sort of scratching your head to how this can even come about. But the third thing, and this is probably the crucial thing to come out on top of this, is that not only were they lawful and true, but the prosecutors and the police admitted that there had never been a crime reported or committed as a result of anyone seeing these stickers. So no one had ever been arrested for chucking a brick through the local corner shop window or graffitiing the, mm-hmm. a mosque because they'd read one of Sam's stickers. So the police couldn't even say, well, these stickers stir up racial hatred because right. the sticker went up here. There was a hate crime that took place, right. you know, 40 meters away. We arrested this guy and he said, I did this because I read this <laughs> an right. hour earlier. Right, right. No, that never happened. So they're lawful. So it's lawful speech, true, and no one was ever motivated to do anything untoward from reading those stickers. Right. And no one ever came forward. I don't think there was reports to the police of these stickers. But I don't believe there was anyone that actually came forward and said they were sort of mortally offended or <laughs> anything of the sort. Right. You know, people just were you, you, they were more sort of reported by lefties. You yeah. Know, who, yeah. Who it was felt, probably activism. on Yeah. Part. Wh- yeah. White, white, sort of, well, anti-white, white activists who felt right. ag- aggrieved that somebody would have would have the temerity to post an yeah. opinion in a yeah. public space that they didn't like. Yeah. That stuff is always that's always like that. The actual members of the ordinary public don't will walk right past it or won't notice it. Like the the, the calling of authorities on that stuff is always organized by you know people with the political agenda. So, yeah. Yeah. So so. Here's some example of, of the stickers. I'm only going to read a few. People mm-hmm. could look them all up. But there was 310 in total. But examples were reject white guilt. It's mm-hmm. okay to be white. We will be a minority in our homeland by 2066. White lives matter. Stop anti-white rape gangs. Love your nation. And then there were even more innocuous ones, yeah. such as um, lift weights, get big. You know. Right. You know, that actually might be a lie. That could <laughs> – they could get him that he's distributing false propaganda. You don't necessarily get big if you look. No, I'm joking. That's a joke. <laughs> you see, this is – what's on the stickers, it mm-hmm. makes it even more um, sort of strange because you're reading what's on these stickers and you're thinking, well, this isn't what you would expect. Now, historically, when yeah. people got um, – into trouble for such st- sort of stickers. The stickers would read things that contained racial slurs or right. things that would be insulting to a racial group. Because generally speaking, um, when people are said to be 
insulting towards a racial group. It is when you make a blanket negative statement about a racial group that can sometimes also include a slur. But none of the stickers included anything like that. So this seemed a really bizarre case to bring. So their rationale for bringing it was, although the stickers are lawful, although you were mindful to stay within the law, although the stickers were true, you basically repeatedly forged these stickers, went close to the line in a couple of cases, but did so in order to stir up racial hatred. So you used legal language and truthful statements as a way of stirring up racial hatred. That is what the Crown put forward to the jury. Yeah. So the whole thing hinged on 12 people's sort of guess at what Sam's motivation was. Now, I say guess... And this is the really enraging bit about this, because it wasn't a guess. Every single piece of written or spoken evidence from Sam that explicitly mentioned his motivation for those stickers. And these written or spoken uh, pieces of evidence were not written or spoken after he was arrested, right. but before he was right. arrested, before right. he even knew he was going to be arrested, yep. stated a number of interesting things. They stated, and again, I'm going to read some of these to you. They stated that, um, well, firstly, the archive of stickers stated a rule And it told people, do not put the stickers on any private property. Do not put them on anywhere where they could be considered threatening or or intimidatory. Mm -hmm. So that's very important because part of the law is that to to be done for, you know, inciting racial hatred, the material has to be threatening, abusive or insulting. And Sam's saying, don't put them anywhere Mm -hmm. where they might be seen as threatening. So. That's not incitement. He went on multiple streams where he said, don't do wild things with them. We're making these stickers legal. Don't make your own. Use ours. And he repeatedly said that his motivation, so all the evidence about his motivation, stated he wanted to stay within the law. He was taking pains to remain within the law. And he didn't want people to use these these stickers in any way that could be seen to be, you know, inflammatory, discriminatory, or in a way that could lead to the stickers being seen in a negative light. But all of that evidence was basically thrown out. And, and it gets worse because... Sam kept a change log of any stickers that were updated. And most of the changes were like sticker 204, you know, spelling mistake or something like that. Right. But in one case, Sam removed a sticker from the archive, sticker 188. And he wrote in the change log removal of hashtag 0188 as it bordered on incitement. Its use is not condoned by hundred handers. So Sam actually, you know, regularly reviewed the stickers. And if he felt some of them got close to the line, he actually removed it. So the the prosecution proved, not the defense, the prosecution when presenting their evidence, proved that Sam at times removed stickers in an attempt to be even more careful and stay within the law. Right. 
So presumably there are they made some argument like well the fact that he did this indicates that he I don't know knew something was wrong or something I don't I mean who knows what kind of what well, no no it gets sort of worse than weird that. arguments gets, they would come up with but yeah it gets worse than that there were multiple public and private messages written by Sam that he never thought were going to end up in court and these dated back for years and they all stated when people asked him why are you doing this what's the what's why are we doing this project whether publicly or privately Sam always said it's to raise awareness and to get people active simple as Right. It was to raise awareness, get people active. He never said that his intention was to cause hatred. He never said, not even in private. You know, there was. It was not like he was saying publicly, "Well, we're doing it to raise awareness." But in private, to his mates, he was like, "Right, we're really going to stir things up here." Yeah, yeah. So it was consistent publicly and privately that this was all a campaign of awareness and to get people, you know, actually into activism. And the, the actual prosecution presented all this. And now you're going to wonder, how did he get found guilty? Yeah, I, I am sort of wondering that. Do you, do you think that they, what, what's your opinion on how that happened and what, why that was just, well, in English law, English law used to be the best system of law in the whole world. And I'm not saying that because I'm English. I'm saying that because it's a fact. And I'm going to prove it now categorically. English law was based on the rule of justice and bringing about justice. It was not based on finding people guilty, Mm -hmm. making crime statistics look good or incarcerating people. The foundation of English law is often said to be um, a quote by a man called Sir William Blackstone. You can look it up, but I'm going to read it to you. And the quote is, it is better that 10 guilty escape than one innocent suffer. So what he's saying is it's better that 10 guilty men walk Mm. out of court and aren't punished than, you know, an innocent man has to go to jail for a crime he never committed. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of checks and balances in the English legal system. One of those checks and balances was what's called prejudicial evidence. Now, prejudicial evidence is nothing to do with the case, is evidence that's got nothing to do with the particular case, but could prejudice the jury into believing that you were more likely to commit that crime. But it had nothing to do with the the crime itself. I understand the idea, yeah. No, no, but I'm... People often say they understand that. I'm not saying you don't understand, but I want to be absolutely clear with the audience how deeply this goes. Mm -hmm. In the English legal system, if you had burgled 12 houses and been found guilty, banged to rights and been to prison for 12 house burglaries, and you were on trial for your 13th house burglary, the prosecution could not bring up the fact that you had burgled 12 houses previously because that was prejudicial evidence Hmm. because if you say to someone well we've got him here for house burglary and he's done it 12 times before everyone's just going to sit back in their chair and go he's done it 12 of course it's him of course it's him but it might not so you weren't allowed to bring that up the only time a prosecutor would bring that up is if the defendant said something crazy like I'm a man of good character and I've never burgled a house before in my life. And then right. the prosecutor would say, come on, mate, you know, you brought right, this right. upon yourself, but you are yeah. lying now. You have burgled yeah. 12 other houses. And then it could be brought up. Now, 
they have removed the check and balance on prejudicial evidence. So this means things that have nothing to do whatsoever with the crime that is or, or the case that's being heard can now be brought up. So if you're being tried for a burglary, every single crime you've ever committed and been found guilty of can be brought up, even if it's not related to the burglaries. The fact that you sent a, a message to your wife the previous week threatening to, you know, punch her in the head if she didn't have the tea on the table can be brought up to make you look like a bad person. So now the Crown has the legal right to make you look like a terrible person. So if they've got no evidence, like they didn't with Sam, they can go through every single private message, email, WhatsApp, Telegram, text message, voice note, anything that you've ever sent anyone. Going back as far as your phone or email folder has records so, and use that material to prejudice the jury against you. So in Sam's case, the whole thing didn't revolve around whether the, the stickers were truthful or whether they were lawful or whether he actually intended to do it by his own you know, because prejudicial evidence wouldn't be a message of Sam saying, well, come on, guys, let's go and stir right. things up. Yeah, yeah. That would be permissible in the under the old system. But in this case, they couldn't find any of that. So they relied entirely on two things. And I'm going to put these in separate categories. One was an expert witness that we'll come back to later. And the other was a massive trove of prejudicial evidence. So yeah. they went through Sam's private messages on his phone, and in a four- to five-year period, in tens of thousands of messages, they found four messages that included a racial slur. Four. Four. Can you see the four? That's four, remarkably four. clean. I mean, <laughs> You know, now th but th those four were read to the court. I am actually surprised because in America, the prejudicial evidence thing exists, but usually it's something that they will like. The, the rule is still in place; like you can't just bring anything. Usually, the attorneys for both sides will squabble over it. Like one will want to introduce it, the other side objects. The judge decides, and uh, you know, so and and often supposedly, if something like that in America, in theory. Would not if it wasn't unless it was actually material to the case. Like the judge would would be if he were going by the system, not allow like just random text messages of him saying stuff unrelated to the sticker things or anything else. That would probably wouldn't be allowed. I can't say for sure because you know in America the legal system is just as corrupt. Like the the rules are like the, the rules are fine. They're just not followed. But um, I'm actually quite surprised that they were that that was allowed to happen. But well, here we it, are. It, get, it gets worse. It gets worse. As part of this prejudicial evidence bundle, they also brought up the fact he had a poster on his wall, a poster of Hitler in his garage. And he also had an eagle with a swastika in its talons. So he had um, two pieces of Third Reich paraphernalia, this poster and this eagle. And he also had two books written by Oswald Mosley and a canvas with a picture of Oswald Mosley in, which he didn't even own. They were Laura's. 
Laura's the Oswald Mosley fan, and he said they're not mine in court. And Laura stood up in court and gave evidence and said, those books were not his. They are mine. I really like Oswald Mosley. He's great. Um, those you know, books are presumably still legal, though. I mean, all those items well, are, every, are, are legal, wait, wait provided second. you don't... Wait a you know, second. Yeah. Everything that I've just said is legal. Right. You and I could not go in the street in Britain and use racial slurs mm-hmm. when being overheard by others. But in private, in the privacy of our own homes, yeah, you can say in whatever private you want. text yeah. messages and a phone call, we can say, hold on. So none of this prejudicial evidence was in itself illegal. In fact, the books were bought off Amazon. The poster and the eagle were given to Sam by a non-political friend who was like, he went to some Eastern European country where they had a souvenir shop and it had loads of sort of Second World War souvenir reproduction memorabilia. Fan of the the era, yeah. So this guy bought it for Sam as a joke and Mm. was like, oh, mate, you know... You know, we know you're a big Nazi. Here's your Hitler poster. So Sam sort of was like, oh, cheers, mate, and put it up. And that was used against him. So the poster, the eagle, the text messages, and, and as I said, the text messages were absolutely cherry-picked. You know, four times in, you know, nearly five years he used a racial slur. And then these books and the canvas, which were actually nothing whatsoever to do with yeah. him, they're actually Laura's, and she actually she she owned them before she met him. So this is this is what they used. They spent the vast vast majority of the nastiest the nastiest part of the trial, the nastiest uh-huh. part of the cross examination yeah. was prejudicial evidence that had nothing to do with the case, and this was backed up by expert testimony. That is. Uh... That is truly a thunderstriking. I mean, the fact that 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 was allowed, they were allowed to just put his text messages out there, private, unrelated text messages for the jury. That's that's shocking. I don't think that. I mean, again, I don't know. I can't say for sure they wouldn't have been allowed to do that in America because they would have made an argument that. Well, I mean, I can I can imagine the type. I don't need to go over them. I can imagine the types of of fallacious arguments they would try and make, and in America. You, the same anti-white bias within the system exists among system functionaries and such. The same thing exists. So prosecutors and judges are brought up in the like Zionist neoliberal ideology, and as a result, they are very ill uh, disposed towards white activists. Um, just and and the fact is, it's like you know you wonder like can you even can you even argue this? Like I'm not doing anything illegal, but this system because like you know we are viewed because of the political views that we have as worse than criminals by this system and you know it's like you were talking about how the the free speech league or something like that i saw this on telegram you said some some free speech union in the uk has been complaining that like jews are not feeling comfortable walking down the street these days but they have nothing to say about sam and and so you know and and it, it, this is just one of the, this is just, it's appalling. And so it's like ultimately in, in America and, you know, it's somewhat in Britain, the legal systems are somewhat similar. We do have to, as actual dissidents rely on somewhat the good graces of, of the system and, and the hope that system functionaries will follow the rules. Cause we do, we do, we follow them to a T. Now I know things I say in America would absolutely get me locked up in Britain, but I'm an American. But like, <laughs> but you don't say those kinds of things. 
Uh, and and Sam doesn't say those kinds of things. And so it's it, it's it's the injustice of it. Like sometimes it, it's just so overwhelming because you're like you just you, you finding advocates having anybody like in your corner. It's it's got to be you and your people that agree with you, and that's going to be it because everyone else is going to either go along with what they've been told or else just be too afraid. Be like, look, this is too hot. Uh, you're on your own, buddy. Like I I got to just take care of my family. You know, I guess it's bad, but like, look. You know, I can't get involved. So uh, it's just, you know, and if if we could rely on the system to follow its own rules, we would have a lot more freedom. But we can't. Well, the system also has a way in court of basically crushing normal people. Yes. And in this case, it took shape in numerous ways. Now, I'll talk first about the expert testimony. So they also brought in an expert witness. Now, this might shock you, but the expert witness was a professor from some two-bit university somewhere who was claimed to be sort of an academic who writes books on the far right. Yeah, exactly. I knew knew there would be something like that. He also writes for – and look, you could – look. I absolutely accept there could be academic experts on the far left, the far right, on political parties. But to be an academic expert, you would largely have to be neutral yes, on the case. Yes, no, these people are public. advocates. They're on a side. He's not just – he's not neutral. He's not studying it as, as just a discipline that he's interested in. What are the political – like what forms is the far right taking? It's not – no, he's, he's no, he, a leftist. He actually writes, he actually writes yeah. for the far left – yeah. activist anti-white magazine searchlight magazine right yeah so he's so he, he himself is an activist he is, himself is an activist and why can't we present through, evidence on him he went through dozens of the stickers which were completely innocuous reinterpreting yes them yep they for, did this they did this same thing in charlottesville and when they brought Deborah Lipstadt, who's who's a Jewish, uh, a, a racial advocate for the Jewish people, to to explain uh, like everything that like supposedly people were saying to the jury and how all of this was actually genocidal statements against Jews, just like they do with saying free Palestine means kill all the Jews or whatever whatever crap that they say, you know. So yeah, but yeah. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. No, no. So so the so the issue is with this expert witness is he reinterpreted normal, simple statements to make them sound like everything was carefully coded to have mad meanings written into it. Now the worst was, was a sticker that said something like, you know, rebel against modernity, embrace traditionalism or become a rebel, you know, embrace traditionalism. And this expert pulled up uh, some weird definition of traditionalism with a capital T that was coined by Julius Evola after the Second World War and was like, this word traditionalism to any normal person probably means, you know, uh, wife, kids, family, something healthy. But what Sam means is Julia Avola's fascist vision of a traditional society. And the jury were like, oh, you know, and you're thinking to yourself, this is madness. You're basically going into a room 
and seeing normal words that you said being reinterpreted, you know, being slurped up, reinterpreted and spat back out with new meanings at a jury of normal people who now don't know what to believe and have spent the last, you know, yeah. few days hearing that, you know, you you go and do pull-ups in your garage and there's a Hitler poster on the wall. You know, and this is this is really what the trial came down to. And, yeah, and I, I describe this trial... Um, you see, I, I describe this trial not as an evidence-based trial. So there are evidence-based trials in British law or in English law. Um, there's no such thing as British law. There's English law and there's Scottish law. And English law covers England and Wales. Mm-hmm. Um, but English law is does have evidence-based trials. So those evidence-based trials might say things to the jury like, well, look, um, we found person X dead you know, with a knife in their back, you know, on this street near this pub. And here you can see the person we're accusing leaving the pub roughly at the time when we think, you know, person X died. And basically, you know, here's text messages from the defendant's phone saying how much he hated person X. And then you will give evidence saying, well, yeah, I did hate person X, but I didn't stab him. I left the pub. And if you look at the CCTV, I didn't go to that street corner. I went the other way because I went to the kebab shop. So have a look at their CCTV. (laughs) And that's an evidence-based trial because you'd look at the evidence, you'd match up the times. And then somebody might say, well, you know, there was no blood on the accused clothes. What was the DNA evidence on the knife handle? Well, the DNA didn't match the accused DNA, you know, and that's evidence. So you weigh the evidence. Well, yeah, the accused didn't like this person and he left the pub at the right time and he headed that direction. But he did go to the kebab shop and his DNA wasn't on the handle of the knife. It was unidentified DNA from another person. And you start putting these things together and you weigh that evidence because it's genuine evidence. Right. But this wasn't. This was a trial that was m- based on perceived motivations, what right. the jury thought of Sam as a person. And I said this before Sam went into the trial. I said a jury trial like this is more like an episode of X Factor. And if you don't have X Factor over there, it's a it's a, it's a reality TV singing show over here where right. uh, people get up on stage and they sing and the audience decides, you know, Simon right. Cowell runs it and the audience decides who wins. But often it's not about who sings the best. In X Factor, it's about who the who the yeah, who they audience like. likes. Yeah. So you can have a young girl who doesn't sing particularly well going up against a guy who's got a beautiful voice, but the young girl's really pretty, the guy doesn't look as nice, and the young girl's telling this story about how her grandma's dream was for her to be a singer, and her grandma died of cancer two weeks before the show started. She's doing this for her grandma. Everyone's got tears in their eyes. It's like a fairy tale story. And the person who can't, the person who isn't the best singer wins. And that's a bit like a jury trial, a jury trial, which isn't evidence based. that's based on perceived motivations and thought patterns is very much about does the jury take a liking to the person who's on trial or 
is the jury made to hate that person? And it's it, it's X factor justice. Unfortunately. And it shouldn't it shouldn't be allowed. And that's why, in theory, the rules against like pre- introducing pre- things that are prejudicial to a defendant are not not allowed or haven't been allowed. I wasn't aware that that does that rule just not exist, or do they do they suspend it in certain cases or what? Oh, like, oh, look, this or is, is the, it's probably this getting is the complicated. Thing. This is the thing. There used to be numerous checks and balances. There was something called jury selection where mm-hmm. yeah. um, you could knock out, I think it yep. was a, a maximum of six members of the jury as- mm-hmm. after asking them questions. Jury selection doesn't exist anymore. There's prejudicial evidence. That is allowed. It never used to be allowed. You wow. used to have to be found guilty by unanimous verdict. Now it's majority verdict. It used to be majority 11 um 11-1, now it's majority 10-2, so they've relaxed that. And there was also a law wow. of double jeopardy, which meant you couldn't be tried yeah. for the same yeah. crime twice. So All of it, these things still exist in America. No, they've, 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 you see, America, American law was based yeah. on this very uh, yeah, obviously, English yeah. legal system. Yeah. And when, you know, English colonists went there and, and, and imported their legal system, they took it with them. Mm. In England, however, the birthplace of the fairest legal system in the world, right. they've now abolished all these um, things. And do you know why these checks and balances exist? I'm going to tell you. These checks and balances exist. These protections exist. Because trials are fundamentally unfair. Now, I'm not speaking ill of Sam, but Sam isn't 175 IQ, you know, master of the debate, orator who gets up and debates, you know, five leftist academics and has them all in tears. Sam is a normal down to earth guy. He's a dad. He's a sign fitter. He's a guy that works with his hands. He's he, he has strong political convictions and he's a good man but he's not the guy with the high verbal iq and the court system understood that the court system understood that most defendants wouldn't be as skilled with their words and explanations as a trained barrister solicitor or you know king mm-hmm. or queen's yeah. counsel so these protections existed to help the person who was debating with the legal professionals. Because if you're not a legal professional and you've never been in court before and you've got some slimy runt who spent 10 years behind, you know, the prosecutor's desk asking you weasel worded questions, twisting your words, winding you up. It's basically like taking a man who's never thrown a punch before and putting them in the ring with Mike Tyson. They're getting knocked out. So all of these checks and balances were put in place. So something balanced out the fact that trials by their very nature pitted someone who had never argued on a legal basis against somebody who did it for a living. But now you have that unfair battlefield but with none of the protections for the guy who is less skilled which makes it completely unfair and when sam was giving evidence in the first part of the evidence that sam gave and i watched sam give all the evidence in the first part sam was fantastic the guy asked him straightforward questions and under cross-examination 
Sam absolutely knocked it out of the park. He gave mm-hmm. straightforward, clear, understandable answers. And then they went for lunch. And when they came back from lunch, the prosecutor had obviously been told by the police or by um, his team, you're fluffing this. You need to wind him up. And at that point, the questions went from being straightforward questions to being bizarre sort of time-wasting waffle questions to trip Sam up. So remember when we started debating people and we'd be creaming them and we'd be talking about white advocacy or standing up and they'd say, well, what do you mean by white? Define white. And you'd all of a sudden be shaken because... And this is something like people like weasels like Destiny do. So you're debating Destiny. And all of a sudden, he would say things like, well, what do you mean by whites? Then you define white. And then you'd say majority. What do you mean by majority? What do you mean by advocate? I remember you debating him once. And he said, what do you mean by advocate, though? Because you said white advocates shouldn't be kicked off social media. He said, but what do you mean by advocate? Do you mean burn people's houses down? Do you mean bomb people? Do you mean... I don't need to define right. words. Advocate means lawfully put forward your yeah. views for the betterment of your group. And this this slimeball prosecutor began doing this weasel word definition game. And Sam did get a little flustered. So the judge had a break in the afternoon and said, look, let, 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 let's everyone gather themselves. Sam came back. And he again, then he composed himself and he, he did better in the third section of the cross-examination. But it did show up the failing of the system that a yeah. man who's got a higher verbal IQ and who is a learned guy who's been to university sort of twisting and doubling over an everyman with these horrible questions that and every man's going to be thinking, well, what do you mean? I know what I mean by white. Everyone knows what I mean by white. White's a word for people of European descent. Why are you asking me this? But it's so then he could create this thing. Well, what about uh, what about a, a white Muslim? Is an Albanian white? You know, because I don't think you think an Albanian's white. And if there was a white Muslim, I don't think you'd help them. And, and Sam was like, well, uh, well, 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 yeah, I would help them. What, what do you mean? You know, and it, and it became hmm. this sort of almost perverse spectacle of seeing a, a friend that you care about who is being put into an arena he's not best suited for against somebody who's absolutely sure of themselves in that arena. And it becomes a spectacle, not of justice, but of almost of, of humiliation. In, yeah. in, in, in a way, almost like torture, because you're watching this guy squirming in front of a jury and seeing his freedom slip away as he's being asked to, you know, asked to sort of get out of these, you know, verbal conundrums that make little or no sense to anyone. Doesn't that, I mean, you would think, you would hope that some people on the jury would see that that was happening and have some sympathy, but no. No, they didn't. They didn't. They found him unanimously guilty, which was the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. I'll be honest. I am never lost for words. Right. I'm not a guy that's lost for words. And I always have a way of explaining why things have happened. So if you ask me a straightforward question, I can usually come up with a straightforward answer and explanation. Very, very rarely 
am I absolutely lost for an explanation? But I am lost for an explanation to how he f- was found guilty. The, the, ultimately, the prosecution asked the jury to make a leap of faith. They said these stickers were lawful. They were truthful. They didn't cross. They didn't, as individual items, cross any boundaries. But we believe that the defendant designed them as a whole in order to stir up racial hatred and that he is motivated by racial hatred. We have no evidence where he admits or suggests that he is motivated by racial hatred. But we've shown you all this guff about him. We brought this expert testimony in. And basically, we want you to go and take this huge leap of faith and find him guilty. And they did take that huge leap of faith. And that makes me lose faith in the jury system, because I believe now that there must have been someone on that jury who was particularly motivated um, into sort of more or less debating against Sam and other members of the jury just went along with it. And there were some ethnic minorities on the jury. They might have said, well, I find this insulting. So if you don't believe me, you know, you're a racist as what well. that might. You don't know what's been said. And it, I can't really I can't really get into those people's heads because I, I obviously didn't speak to them. I saw them. But um, it just seems bizarre. And I have no rational explanation for how such weak evidence, and in some case, police lies, because the police actually were caught out making errors and lying in the trial. So at one point, the prosecutor brought up a series of stickers and said, which were, which were um, clearly insulting in some way, saying mm-hmm. things that like Muslims or ethnic minorities were unclean. And if they came into your area, they would ruin your area. So they could have been classed as insulting. Somebody might say, well, well, I'm black and I'm not unclean. That That is an insulting or an insulting generalization. But then the defense barrister noticed Sam's defense said on these stickers, is there any logos? And the prosecutor was like, no, there isn't. And he said, is there a number in the corner? And they were like, no. And he said, well, every sticker Sam produced had his logo on and was numbered. Are these stickers in Sam's archive? And the defense were like, oh, sorry, the prosecution were like, no, they're not. And halfway through the trial, the judge had to say, please disregard these more spicy stickers. Yeah. Because they've got nothing to do with the case. So they actually entered evidence into the case that was nothing to do with Sam. And then finally, they brought up these salacious stories of that were in the press claiming that there was a plot to target army bases with racially sensitive stickers that concealed razor blades. And the, 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 the prosecution had to admit midway through the trial that this never happened. There was no proof it ever happened. There was no crime report. They unearthed no evidence on any devices anywhere that belonged to Sam or anyone else that matters to say this was happening, but they entered it as evidence because it was in some rag newspaper that had just made the story up. So some newspaper made the story up that nationalists were going to army bases with stickers with offensive slogans on and concealing razor blades behind them. So people, so soldiers removing them would you know tear their hands to shreds or cut themselves. And they entered that 
in evidence against Sam when there wasn't a shred of evidence that it that's, happened that's, before. That is just... And when I say not crazy. a shred of so, evidence, so, it, it never happened. There was no stickers ever found on an army base, and they didn't even have as much as a text message or line of from anywhere to say that was happening. All it was was a story that some absolute scumbag journalist had made up and ran with. Right. You know, just just for just for clickbait. So, question and they on that. Though. It, and it is evidence against him. Is there something where um, they they have to give the defense everything they have before the trial starts, so that they're not springing surprise things on them? They have and to can't serve they at that them point, with evidence. At that they point, can't to, you yeah. say objection to this? To this? This is yeah, yeah. And what happened? With, did that that any of that happen, or did they just do it anyway? They entered it as evidence, but once it's entered as evidence, once the once the prosecution decide to enter it as evidence, it has to then be struck out in court. Really? Okay, that doesn't happen here. Here, they'll enter evidence and let the other side see it, and they will have a chance to, like, so they know everything that's going to be presented against them, and if something's, like, wrong or something like that, they, they will object to it, and the judge can strike it before the jury ever sees it, because letting the jury see it could be prejudicial, even if it's false and has nothing to do with it. It sounds like this... All of that is just out the window. In no, no. What's meant to happen, Mike, and this yeah. is the insane thing, is if the Crown, a court, in court red-handed, like in open court, mm-hmm. presenting prejudicial evidence, which is based on lies or is an outright lie, mm. that's meant to damage the Crown's case. But it didn't. It was right. just more like for want of a better word, muck being thrown at the blanket, hoping yeah. that something would stick. It also it, obviously it did. It, it's psychological warfare that they're engaging in. So when they put something like that out there, the it, it, you can't just erase it when you say that. Oh, that wasn't him. Like he didn't do that because then they're gonna have they're gonna just in it subtly psychologically. Some of them at least are not going to be able to make that hard distinction the the what they see there they're going to you know it's 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 obvious the mind games that are being played on the jury frankly and you you kind of wonder you know if I were one of them I'd be like I'm insulted that you're trying to play me like this but again I guess if I was ordinary a people ju- if I was the member of a jury and let's not say it's a political case because obviously I would be you know I, I have everyone has their own political biases yeah. but if I was a member of a jury regardless of what case it was if it was proved that the crown or the police had either lied or presented evidence that was complete and utter trash i would not in a million years have found somebody guilty because i would have been like i can't find them guilty because if the crown have lied or tried to mislead me on these key pieces of evidence what else are they trying to mislead me on what else are they doing this over you know so if they presented if they presented me you know because once somebody's caught lying in court that should really be the end of it you know and and, and if the and if the prosecution is presenting false evidence that should be something that really causes a case to collapse yeah, and and you know even the um, when I was in the civil case in Charlottesville, 
Um, I did a lot of stuff like objecting to things that they were trying to say and enter into evidence and and like the fact that they would put um, references to newspaper articles and opinion things in their complaints and stuff like that. And like, you know, you're really not you, you when, when you once you involve yourself in a legal case. Now, mine was a civil case in America, not like criminal in England, but there's still some some principles that, that remain. Like we talk about this idea of things that are prejudicial. Um you know, I, I actually was complaining because the attorneys for the uh, other side um, had made were making videos and statements and constantly going out publicly and talking about us when we, when I was still a defendant in the case. And at one point, she, how Roberta Kaplan, had put up um, she'd done a video, and then whoever, whatever company was like now this or something like that. You know, they they do these libtarded videos and like with you know liberal stuff on them. They did some interview with her, and then in the in the video, uh, you know, they showed us at Charlottesville. They showed pictures of the defendants, and then they showed like the KKK and like uh, with like burning crosses, and then a black man hung from a tree and stuff. And it's like, wait, hold on a second, hold on a second. When you when you go out and do that, now that wasn't presented as evidence, but just the fact that the attorney did that, I complained about it. I complained about it to the judge and I said like she's out there showing videos like this on the internet with my face and then having right next to it a black man hanging from a tree like that you can't say that that's okay judge and of course ultimately what happened is I was dismissed from the case and then my objection to this was rendered moot by because I wasn't in the case anymore but it just shows it's like when they're doing that stuff and and it's inherently political because the Charlottesville trial was a political trial this is a trial having to do with politics, and when you have trials that have to do with politics, evidence actually goes out the window, and it becomes mind games and propaganda and psychological manipulation of the jury and all of the above so that the government, the system, can score a political win against a dissident. And this is what America and England are supposed to not be about according to their own propaganda that justifies their own rule. These governments justify themselves to us. Their existence is our rulers by saying they won't do things like this. This is what happens in third world countries. This happens in dictatorships. This happens happens in in the USSR. This happens in Nazi Germany. This doesn't happen here. But it's no, it happens here. It absolutely happens here. This, you you see, this is the thing. Um, There was a point in Sam's trial where they were talking about some of the stickers that mentioned sort of Zionist power. And Sam turned (laughs) around and he said, well, there is, you know, Zionist occupation of the UK. He said, you know, Zionists have this outsized influence over US politics. And he said, this has been discussed by the mainstream. You know, Channel 4 did a documentary about conservative. There are books published about it by noted scholars. Yeah. And he said they actually send. Um, counselors and MPs to Israel for all expenses paid holidays in order to win them over to, you know, Israeli support and to get them on board. And the prosecutor said, what? What does it have to do with you where a counselor goes on holiday? So who do you think you are? And if I'd have been in the if I'd have been in the witness stand. I'm a constituent, said, isn't said, that the you'd, term? You'd care. You'd care if they were all going to Russia on holiday and Vladimir Putin was paying oh, for yeah. it, though, wouldn't you? And at that point, you've silenced But this it. idea that what is it your business, what government officials do? Yeah, I, Excuse was, me. Honestly, honestly, it, it, it was... 
it was just nauseating watching them do it like this to Sam. It was nauseating. And you know what else is funny? This is this is kind of going far afield, but listening to this kind of stuff, where they're trying to hang this guy, and and, and on things that like he never said, things he never did, intentions that he never had, the the, the Crown government, the UK government is doing this. While at the same time standing by Israel in their case for genocidal intent where they are openly saying, we're going to destroy the whole Gaza Strip, we're going to kick all the people out, there's not going to be anything left, these are animals, we're killing, like, it's like, and and yet, Richie Sunak and, uh, you know, I guess both Tory and Labor MPs and Keir Starmer and all these people uh, (laughs) are out there you know, carrying water for for this government where all the officials have come out saying, yeah, no, we're we're kicking them all out. We're going to either kill them all or kick them all out. And we're basically committing ethnic cleansing. And then they get called out on this. And the UK government's like, we're the staunchest ally. And I mean, I know it's, people might think that's a stretch to connect the two things, but it just shows you like, oh, so suddenly like saying things that reveal like your intent, like, oh, now we have to be very careful with it. Oh, don't necessarily assume that because he said that he wanted to like level every structure in the Gaza Strip that he's got the genocidal intent. I mean, let's not be hasty here, right? Like, you know, so it's like it's the, 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 the hypocrisy and the unfairness are like it does. It makes me so angry like it makes me so fundamentally mad like it's like and it it makes me mad when other people can't see it or when other people are like too cowardly to also say something or do something or or otherwise just in on it like you know there's leftists there very well could have been a leftist activist on that jury who's just in on the scam right he's in on what's going on and then but honestly frankly Normies sometimes make me mad too. It's like, you know, you should have some principles. Like, I get you've got a family. I get that you've got a job and you have your own troubles. I understand that. But when you're on a jury, you you have a chance now to actually do some justice. And you're just punting on it. And you can't really get in trouble for it. What are they going to do? What are, you gonna, what are they going to do if you say not guilty? What are they going to do? I mean, maybe, maybe they'll go after you in the media. I know that's been known to happen. But again... The government's not supposed to allow that kind of thing to happen. No, no, no they, they can't go. They can't. They can't go after people like that in the media. They can't go after a jury. That that would be highly, you know, highly yeah. um, illegal. Yeah. You know, it I, happens in America thing. sometimes. It's not supposed to, but it does happen sometimes. I, I looked at this and I, I simply didn't know what was going on. I didn't know what was going on. And I, I cannot, you know, I cannot turn around now and explain what uh, explain this situation because it's so crazy what's gone on and sam is such a nice guy he, he did not publicly like all the other people that have been done for stuff like this have, have publicly used racial slurs you know have said things which you know you're thinking to yourself well you know that that's going to take you over the line, mate. But with Sam, to actually hear this is lawful and truthful, but we're sending you down anyway. And yeah. to know the personal, you know, toll that he's going to have to pay not being around. Because, you know, he's looking really at three years for this. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask as well. So he will, he will likely serve a year and a half in prison. Now, Sam is a big guy. 
he's about six foot something yeah. and he's oh, yeah. built like a monster. Yeah. So he's not going to get trouble in prison. And generally speaking, when our guys go into prison, they don't get trouble. They get treated fine. When people find out why they're in there, they're like confused. You know, you made a podcast. You stuck a sticker. What? what? You know, we're, we're all in here for, you know, what they what they actually think are serious crimes. And generally speaking, our guys are well behaved. So there is good news in this. People like Sven Longshanks, who went to jail last year, mm-hmm. is having a great time. He's been moved to a Category C prison. He's got his own bachelor flat in the prison. That means it's a studio flat where he's got, you know, a bedroom which includes a kitchenette. He's got an ensuite bathroom. He's got a TV with a remote control. Uh, other guys that we've got in prisons, they've got the, they've got telephones in their own room. You know, they've got their own stove so they can cook their own food. And if you are well behaved, you tend to get that. Then if you get busted down even further to a category D, you get your own flat in the prison, but you also get the right to go out of the prison between nine and five every day. So it's called an open prison. So you can go into the local town, you can go out for a meal with your friends. You know, if you've got a girlfriend, she can pop up and you can book a hotel room together. You know, there are all those things that come with that. So we have four categories of prison. Prison Category A, which is literally like full lockdown Victorian hellhole, like yeah. this, an old film. You've got Category B, which is generally sort of a modern... Um, secure prison category C which is what spends in which is a lot more sort of like um, you know flats or bedrooms within an, a, a more open unit where there's uh, free access to move around do what you want recreational areas tv rooms you know mm-hmm. shared places where you can play pool and other things like that and then there's category D which is basically category C but even more Uh, even less restrictive and with more rights, including the right to leave prison during set hours during the day. So you can go to town, meet people. You know, if you've got a family, they can come down and you can go out for a day with them. So if you do behave yourself in the UK prison system and you were were done for anything other than a terror offence, because if they somehow wrote this into a terror offence, then you're up. You're basically up, um, you know, you're floating down the wrong river without a paddle. Yeah. And now Sam, and, but the, one of the other bad things about this, one of the other bad things about this, and this is really important, is they arrested Sam using counter terror police. Yeah. So now what they're doing is even if it's not a terror offense, yeah, but you're a racial nationalist, they will send the counter-terror police yeah. to deal with you. Swat you, you. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, and the counter-terror police have more more rights and you have fewer rights. So when you're being investigated, um, you know, when you're being investigated, you can be in a worse position because you have less rights. So, right. so when, so I'll give you an example. So when Sam was arrested, his solicitor, his duty solicitor was an Asian guy, a really nice Asian guy. And Sam got on with him really well. And this Asian guy had never seen anyone arrested under counter terror before. Mm-hmm. So, so even the, even Sam's solicitor was sweating and Sam's solicitor was like, I've never seen anything like this. Look, I'm being honest. You're done for mate. They're not going to release you today basically expect to be remanded in custody immediately this is the most serious offense i've seen i don't know what to do they're not telling me anything you know 
almost like he was dealing with sort of Carlos the Jackal or, you know, or the leader of a Mexican cartel. Right. And he's thinking to himself, my God, what are we going to do? So they started questioning Sam and Sam's like, no comment, no comment. Cause the, you know, his, his Asian solicitor was like, do not say a word. Don't say a word until we figured this out. Right. And sort of five minutes into a questioning, the sort of a, you know, knock at the door, the door swings open and they say, can you stop the recording? Um, there are no terror offenses to answer here. It's just possession of possession and distribution of these stickers for racial hatred and criminal damage. And at this point, the solicitor's like, is this the Twilight Zone? What's yeah, going on here? It's psychological you, terror that they're you've doing. Sent these, you've sent basically the elite flying squad to arrest this guy in a post office, pin him to the floor, drag him in, swab him down, uh, and treat him as if... Yeah. You know, yeah. he's he, he, he's he's basically happens all the time. You know, the leader of a cartel or yeah. you know, a drug lord, and in fact, drug lords don't get treated like no, that. they don't. And now you're telling me it's stickers. So he's like, "Stop this! Stop this!" I need a moment with my client, and he's like, "Who are you?" <laughs> I'm like, I, "I'm a guy that puts up stickers about demographics," and the solicitor's like, "This is mad." It's like. The solicitor was almost expecting, like, you know, you won't know who this is, but if you've got any English listeners, there was a guy called Jeremy Beadle who used to do what was called sort of candid camera, and it was called Beadle's About. So what would happen is you'd be coming home from work, and as you were coming home from work, your sports car or what looked like your sports car would be parked on the road, and some sort of dumper truck would reverse up and sort of unload, you know, uh, half a ton of... (laughs) You know, rocks on your sports car, crushing it. And you'd be coming up the road screaming, what's going on? And then you'd be screaming at the driver of the dumper truck. And then then a passerby would come by laughing at you and you'd be losing your temper. And then finally, a little police officer would start walking up the road and it'd be the presenter of the show in a police uniform. And then when you finally realise it was all a joke, all the cameras would come out and your wife would come out laughing because she'd set it up. And it was called Candid Camera. And this solicitor was kind of expecting Jeremy Beadle, who was the host of this show, it was called Beadle's About. He was sort of expecting Jeremy Beadle to sort of pop out from behind the wall. I got you! (laughs) This was all a big joke! because he couldn't figure out what was going on he couldn't figure out why counter terror were basically swatting a guy in the village post office over putting up a sticker that said yeah. you know there is a war on whites yeah. he just didn't understand it we just understand he doesn't understand the politics he no he didn't understand it because i understand why i mean i don't trial, it's sam became like good friends with this sort of asian solicitor who was like right. mate i don't agree with your politics but what they're doing to you here is just sick it's it's sick and there was outrage from you know people across the board like i went and had my hair cut the other weekend and i went into the barber's shop and the two girls girls in there they're like what you've been doing all week mark and i'm like i've been in court with my mate and they were like what's he done what's he done and i told them about the stickers and they were like this is a scandal and everyone that i've told yeah thinks it's scandalous and, and we were like the jury must find him not guilty because every normie that i've spoken to mm-hmm. thinks it's scandalous even the even the muslim solicitor that he had this asian solicitor was like it's mind-blowing has there been media coverage generally? Because I feel like there there really hasn't been much in the mainstream British media. Like they've they've kind of just like memory hold this, or you know, I mean, I don't know. You tell me. Like, has the Daily Mail well, the, written the anything British about it? The British media has gone wild about it. Oh, really? They've gone okay. Wild about it. 
but in the way that is the worst way possible. Yes, so yes. They've not said, like, you know, normal man who is right. a sign yeah. fitter and has got a baby coming in 12 right. weeks right. has just been found guilty of sticking up a sticker that said, you know, lift weights, get big. Yeah. They even the like, even Hitler like the poster, uh, Hitler poster monster, you yeah, know, is yeah. found guilty of incitement. Every single news article that I've seen, and that's Touchwood, because I haven't seen every news article, but everyone I haven't seen every news article, but every news article I've seen has led with Hitler poster, Mosley fanatic, man who had you know, German eagle in garage gets found guilty. And you're looking at it and thinking to yourself, why aren't they saying that he's a self-employed sign fitter with a two-year-old daughter and a baby on the way in 12 weeks and a wife and yeah. he cares for this old lady? And You know, why aren't they saying this? Why aren't they telling people what was on the stickers? And the media are such rat-faced, vile, oh yeah, you know, disgusting pieces of human garbage. They're yeah. not telling the public what was on the majority of these stickers because if they did there'd be uproar and the thing that makes this worse is all these free speech groups like yeah. Tommy Robinson's yep. free yep. speech yep. He's not group, say anything. free speech union and all these groups none of them will talk about it and you know where I don't know if he said it so I'm not digging the guy out but where's Sargon of Akkad where's where's where are the Daily Wire? Where where are all these free speech groups? Yeah. When a guy gets sent, you know, looks like he's going to be sent down. He hasn't been sent down yet, but found guilty. You know, a phrase is like "there's a war on whites." Yeah, the same thing happens like um, in America. Like there's there's a, a phony free speech right, and it's Zionist, the Zionist so-called free speech right. But when you're on the right. And you're you're racial, openly racist, openly pro-white, and anti-Zionist. You don't exist to these people. They let they they have they don't have any principles. They do not actually have they they don't devote themselves to the principle of free speech at all. They will never take up for you. They will pretend like you don't exist, or they will just jump on the bandwagon of trying to bury you. Ben Shapiro and the Daily Wire is not going to say anything about this. They approve of it. The Daily Mail, which is known, I've got their their article up here, which is known as sort of a right leaning paper. They're often critical. They're even critical of immigration themselves sometimes in their right coverage. Leaning. The Daily Mail is meant to be the paper for the right. It's right. meant to be the paper of free speech. Yep. It's meant to be the paper of anti-immigration. It's meant to be the paper of moral family values yep. that stands up against sort of abominations and threats to our children. And they are celebrating yep. a dad with a kid on the way getting sent down for putting up a sticker yep. saying stop immigration. Yep. Yeah, it's the same. It's the same way. the the uh, The equivalent of the Daily Mail in America would be like the New York Post, and they are exactly the same way. It, you know, it, it's it's like it, it's you know, it, it's like to a little bit to the right of like the normie conservative. They 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 when black blacks commit like crimes in New York, they'll put big black mugshots on the front of the paper and like, oh, this evil guy did a terrible thing, and they you know all that, and so they they'll they'll, they'll whip up like the sort of sub, sub, sublimated racial. They'll probably be more guilty of actually stirring up racial hate than Sam ever was, but they. They they whip up like this the sort of subliminal sense of it, and they talk about illegal immigration. They support Trump and and all this stuff. They uh, hate these libtards and all their all their their stupid feelings and all the crap they're trying to do, and them shutting down free speech and wokeness and all this stuff. It's all like that. But as soon as it's someone who's pro white, 
it's like either your they jump right on board with your Hitler or you don't exist. And that is that is the role they play. That's why I you know I was more naive about this before having been in this kind of these kind of politics now for 10 years about how conservative media operates like this is they they operate they really are just gatekeepers of the worst sort where they they let people they let you think well hey look you also are against immigration you also have some of these critiques of of the LGBT community of the of the of the moral degradation of this and that right uh but but it's like no but as soon as you're pro white or or anti zionist it's like nope no, 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 nothing. You get nothing from us. Like their their but, whole but, purpose is to just tap into those sentiments for political power and exclude anyone who actually wants to change anything and just maintain the Zionist status quo. Because yeah. I think it was the snarky little Zionist shrimp um, Ben Shapiro who, who who made his name going around saying facts don't care about your feelings, right? But, yeah. but where are these people now? A man yeah. is being sent to jail in the UK because the facts he posted may, never did, but yeah. may have hurt someone's feelings. Right. Where are these people? And look, I, I don't. So there's lots of people I don't like. There's lots of people I don't like. I'm not making I'm not going to make any bones. I'm some big cuddly bunny that loves everyone. I'm not. I'm Mark Collett. Most of your audience will know who I am. Yeah. And most of your audience will know where I'm coming from. I don't like everyone. And I see these pro-Palestinian marches. And I'll tell you what, a lot of the people on there are complete liberal sort of, you know, guardian reading arses that yeah. I wouldn't get on with. Yes. But I've seen a number of them carrying anti-Zionist slogans and they've been arrested for it. I saw um, a, you know, a pretty Asian woman with a, a, a banner which depicted um, two members of the Conservative Party as coconuts. I remember right? this. I saw and this on your Telegram feed. I and I'll sorry. tell you this now. If that she's is... charged with that and she wrote to me and said, Mark, come and protest outside my trial or come and sit in with me and help me. I would a hundred percent be there for her. And I'll tell you this now, I might not agree with her on everything. I'd probably find most of her pro immigrant, you know, she had pro immigration beliefs. I'd probably find them detestable, but I would 1 million percent defend her right to mock government officials as she saw fit. And I'll tell you this, Mike, this is the crazy thing. If there was, uh, a non-white, you know, woman, an attractive non-white woman in Russia being dragged out of her house for depicting uh, Putin and one of his close allies in a humorous manner. Everyone here in the West would be like, mm. oh, my God, what are they doing? This yeah. woman would be a hero. Yeah. But here in the West, they're doing that now. Yeah. Doing that now, the outrage would always be, "Oh, Putin, or you know, the Chinese government are dragging yep. people out for depicting them in humorous ways." No, that's what the Western governments are doing. That is what happens in the UK. If you draw a cartoon of Rishi Sunak or another member of the government and take it on one of these anti-Zionist marches, you will have. The police kicking your door in that as soon as they find crazy out who you are. And to this is This is the Soviet Union. This isn't the People's Republic. Of I wouldn't China, have thought not it. North Korea. It's Britain. I honestly, that surprised me. I was surprised. I thought in Britain you could just 
you could just say whatever you want about politicians. You could call and you could just say whatever you want. Nope. I didn't realize that they had nope. any kind of protection. And I that. defend these people because even though I might not like them as people and I'm not some big cuddly bunny, I would absolutely go to bat to defend these people on these anti-Zionist marches. For oh, yeah. In fact, in fact, I'll tell you this now. If I saw a Zionist walking down the street with a horrible banner about Palestinians, as much as I would find that distasteful and disgusting, I wouldn't want him arresting for it. I don't want anyone arresting for speech Well, they wouldn't arrest him for it, but... No, I know they wouldn't, but what I'm saying is I would defend free speech um, like that. The only speech I wouldn't defend is if somebody's actually saying, you know, you all need to go and kill these people, because that's clearly incitement. But having an opinion or saying something that others might find offensive or controversial should not be a crime for anyone. And you can see now these crimes are being deployed now against anyone who is quote-unquote far-right and anyone who says anything about the state of Israel, Zionist power, or or Jewish influence in the West, even if that's leftist or non-white. And, you know, we're moving into... uh, a situation here in the UK, we're moving toward a place where mocking the prime minister can get you arrested. That's wild. I'm, I'm, I'm actually surprised at that because I thought the UK was sort of famous for always making fun of politicians, like just like you know America kind of is. But I mean, you almost don't even have to make fun of American politicians; they just do it for you. They're so absurd. But, but that that is that is crazy. Um, and and it, there's another thing that it shows here, which is that this um, this narrative that sort of cropped up in the wake of the the war in Israel and uh, Jews and Zionists demanding or, or seeming to like make demands that certain Palestinian activists and such be deported and things like that that there's that there's something to gain for white activists in allying with with Zionists because maybe they'll decide to send the brown people back now that the brown people are turning on them and supporting Palestine or something like that. And and it, it doesn't appear that they have any such intention of actually letting up on whites in the slightest. This case is a perfect example. Uh, no, they they want their cake and to eat it too here. And frankly, uh, they are not going to give whites anything. And it's also, I'm, I mean... It's not a bargain I would strike, but it's also not on offer. And I think this is this is a more this case is more obvious than like they're not saying anything about it. if here here is this guy he didn't actually the stickers I don't I mean maybe some of the stickers mentioned Israel or Zionism I don't know uh, you can tell me but if he's talking about immigration for the most part and, and numbers like we're going to be a minority the whole case is like Jews are starting to rethink making white people a minority because all these replacement brown people are anti-Zionist. It's like, well, here they are putting a guy that put out a sticker saying we're going to be a minority. You know, they've convicted him on a fake bogus crime. They're going to put him in jail for who knows how long, hopefully not very long. Hopefully he gets a, some kind of clemency here or some kind of, you know, something. I don't know. I can still at least see his family when he's in. But um, yeah, no, it's it. The, 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 no, the the system is just as totalitarian and anti-white as it has been. There's no, they have no intention of letting up on that. And frankly, another reason for that is because they, I, my view is this. This is a little bit of field of the same case, but my view is that the Zionists are actually m- more worried about white liberals 
than they are about all these these brown people and the political effectiveness of white liberals as the entirely white prosecution team representing South Africa in the Hague shows like all well, all those people are, are are white all the actual attorneys doing the work they're all white the blacks are there just for show anyway that's a little bit far afield but it's I think it's relevant because it's like here's a case in point of why that's not true where are the Zionists coming to his defense in fact they use the fact that he's anti-Zionist or had maybe said anti-Zionist things to, to, to try and attack him in court well, no one's coming to Sam's defense. No one. Yeah. The, 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 there's not going to be. So the anti-Zionist left's not going to come to Sam's defense. No. Um, the the kosher right is not going to come to Sam's defense. The free speech union and Tommy Robinson and all the other free speech activists, they're not going to come to Sam's defense. You would think they would be the most likely to maybe do it, but they're not. I, I know their, that, that tendency too well. I know what they're about. They're fake. They're a bunch of phonies. They are yeah. super phonies, and not only are they super phonies, but they have completely ignored this. You know, they've not touched on it. They've not. Oh, you know, too not busy sticking up for all these poor Jews that are, are feeling bad because someone had a Palestine flag in their windows. This Jew had to have a, a week of psychotherapy, and Tommy Robinson is on the case. You know, he's like, how dare you wave that flag in front of where a Jew, Jewish person could see it? You know, so. The. No one's coming to his help. And that, this is why we need this pro-white community, though. You know, I've, I've said this yeah. many times, and I'm a big advocate for, obviously, community building. So I'm an advocate for community. And I've always said that Patriotic Alternative's primary goal is community building, is to build a powerful, robust, pro-white community that will advocate for our people's rights and needs in a number of ways, through legal protection, through democratic means, and through, you know, social gatherings that strengthen us and uh, basically boost our morale and help us to build something we haven't previously had. And that's the only way to protect us as a people, Mm -hmm. because no one else is going to do it. So my message is to anyone listening to this or watching this is get involved. You know, I'm not asking for any, look, I'm not one of these Spurgs who thinks that everyone needs to be face out, that everyone needs to be face out, mask off, punting out leaflets, and it should be no fun allowed. I believe there's lots of ways to do activism. And one of those ways is, is simply to attend socials, to, t- to simply come to social events and have fun. But do something. Do something. Even if it's just, you know, even if you're just watching a show, you know, make a small donation. Do something, but contribute in some way to the wider movement so that we grow a family. So we grow this family so we can look after each other. Now, mm-hmm. people obviously like Sam, like Laura, like myself, like you, you know, we're on the cutting edge of this and we're the ones that they will come for first. But it makes it easier if we've got thousands of people behind us who are yep. going to stick up for us. Yep. At the moment, there is a give, send, go that you can access yes, via my ask, Telegram. I was going to ask about that. Yeah, I'll, my I'll gab. link to that. And I, I put one up last night and I said, look, he's not been sent down yet, but my aim was to raise just a small amount. I've not asked for a large amount. We have raised a large amount. And I'm very grateful for that. But I, I wasn't envisaging that. I just asked for a small amount because I wanted just to send Sam and Laura away. He's not allowed to leave the country, but to send Sam and Laura away for a week or 10 days to a nice rural location where they could where they could not worry about money 
but get a nice Airbnb or a nice cottage so they could spend a week or so with their hair down enjoying their time together before mm-hmm. it is likely. I can't see the, the judge giving him a suspended sentence. I pray he does. But I think he will get a custodial sentence. And I, I just wanted to send Sam and Laura away for somewhere nice. You know, and Laura deserves to put her feet up because she's, you know, she's a victim in all of this as well. You know, they've yeah. got that baby on the way. 12 weeks time, she will pop. Sam will have another daughter. And he's not going to see that daughter. The likelihood is he won't see that daughter um, until past her first birthday, most likely. So there's no system whereby that they can bring the children to see him while oh, he's inside. Actually, yeah, that's a bit hyperbole. Yeah, he he will likely yeah. see the daughter, but he'll right. miss the birth. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. My hope for Sam, my realistic hope for Sam, is that he gets under three years and that he is moved to a category D prison, yeah. whereby Laura. Ideal. to see him and they can have family time together that would be the best realistic um case scenario at this point you know yeah. people who are saying well we're hoping for a suspended sentence I- i'm not going to say that because i try to be realistic with right people. right yeah um i mean but saying that i was being realistic when i thought the trial would collapse due to a, a deadlock jury but that yeah. didn't happen. They found him not. They found him guilty. So you know, yeah, I've learned. You could hit him with four years. I don't know. I've learned in these things, unfortunately, and I don't want to black pill. But what I say here won't really affect the actual outcome one day, one way or the other. But I've found that, generally speaking, on political cases, particularly of this sort, obviously when dealing with leftists, they tend to get you know less less than like often gets get off with the slap on the wrist if even that. But look, I don't but, want to interrupt uh, you because it's your show and you're the boss. But I've got to tell you this. There was a number of people arrested during the statue protests in the UK, leftist activists and ethnic minority activists, who actually smashed and destroyed yeah. British statues yeah. of, of British you know, heroes yeah. and threw them in rivers and did all sorts. They went before courts... And juries, sort of activist left-wing juries, found them not guilty on the basis that they thought what they did was noble. What can you say? So you've got guys on camera smashing statues and the courts find them not guilty. You've got a fella, a family man, putting up, you know, saying, here's some stickers. Don't put them in contentious places, but put them, you know, in places people regularly put stickers. Guilty of criminal damage. Not criminal damage, smashing a statue and throwing it in a river. Criminal damage, putting up a piece of paper. This is English justice now. Yeah. And, and I know they will come for me one day. They will find me guilty and they will throw me in jail. Yeah. Because that's, that's kind of what I was going to say is that you can kind of expect often with political cases, particularly involving whites, white right wingers, they, they will just give whatever the, the top thing that they can give is, unfortunately. And there were cases in America with like the January 6th people where even the prosecutor would would recommend like a lighter sentence and the judge would still just give the maximum sentence anyway because the, the judge was like personally angry at them and so um, we've had people get five years five years for speech crimes we've had people get you know look at look at sven longshanks now again not speaking ill of the guy 
But I'm, be, I'm telling you the, the truth. The guy is not a well man. He suffered from an industrial accident where his body and part of his head were crushed by a forklift truck and a load of stuff going over on him. He has he has to get up at four in the morning and start a routine of medication and injections and other things to, to maintain his life. And they've put him in jail. Yeah. For saying things on a podcast that there wasn't a single complaint about to the police other than Hope Not Hate and his MP who conspired with the BBC to make a programme about him. Yeah. You know, they would never put, you know, there are there are people who are actual child abusers. Yes. Left wing MPs who abuse, sexually abused and raped children in the care system who are still claiming um, who are still going in to Parliament, into the House of Lords when the police were investigating them. And the police just dropped the uh, dropped the case and said, oh, you know, they've got mental health problems now. They're suffering from dementia. They're not fit to stand trial. Well, they're not fit to stand trial. Why are they still going into Parliament and claiming their weekly expense budget? That was a guy called Greville Janner. Google him. <laughs> Jewish, by the way. Jewish. Jewish. Okay, just the facts Jewish. here. Just the Jewish. Facts. Yeah. Abused children in care homes for a long period of time. Huge, overwhelming amount of evidence against him. Was, a, was sitting in the House of Lords, claiming benefits from the House of Lords, still going into the House of Lords, still, you know, s- submitting his sus- expense ex- ex- um, claims, expense claims, but the police judged him not mentally fit to stand trial for this string of child sex offences going back years. Oh, man. Let's go. <laughs> And he was, and by the way, Jana, they, they, they've scrubbed this from Wikipedia. Oh, yeah? Jana was also instrumental in setting up the Holocaust Educational Trust. I think it was that. I'm just going to Google it myself. Greville Jana, Holocaust yeah. Education. I got his Wikipedia up here right now. Yeah, he, he uh, it says that he was prominent in the field of education about the Holocaust. Yeah. Holocaust Educational Trust was founded by Labour MP Greville Janner. Greville Janner is the man who was fiddling children in care homes for years and got away with it. Over the years, starting 1991, specific allegations of child sex abuse by Janner in the past, <laughs> dating from 1955 were made to the authorities. Jeez. This did not lead to any official action beyond Jana being questioned once from the first allegation until 2015. After it was decided in 2015 that he should have been prosecuted earlier, the accusations were to be investigated in a trial of the facts. Jana was deemed to be too ill for a criminal trial um, and he died before it happened, though his actions included in a large inquiry into historical sexual abuse. So they held it off, held it off, and yep. then sort of threw it out. And basically it was found that when they were throwing out and saying he wasn't fit to stand trial, the Daily Mail ran an article saying he was still going into the House of Lords when he was unfit to stand trial and claiming all his expenses. So what can you say? What can you say? And he was allowed to get away with this, I believe, I believe, because 
he was Jewish, involved in the Holocaust Educational Trust, yeah. and he got away with this. And he was he was basically abusing these children from you know 1955 onwards. Yet he died at 87, an innocent man. Yeah, unbelievable. Well, he spent he spent less time in jail than Sam Melia will for putting up stickers. Yeah. And when you have a system that's producing these kind of outcomes uh, and consistently and predictably, well, you have serious problems. <laughs> you know, you the system has lost, I'll say this, it, without going too far, it has lost its legitimacy. The system has lost its claim to legitimacy when these kinds of things happen. And so in my eyes, it is no longer a legitimate system. It's not. And so the only question is like, what happens next? But um, that's why, you know, people should get involved in activism. Um, <laughs> and yeah, on, the, no, on that is, note. But this is the thing, Mike. Yeah. This is the thing. Part of the trial and the expert witness evidence against Sam was that he was an extremist. And the yeah. expert witness in his testimony said that Sam Melia was a far right extremist. He was then asked to define far right extremists. Yeah, right, and he seriously. said far right extremists are defined as rejecting democratic processes and instead glorifying or promoting acts of violence or law-breaking. Yet here is Sam on trial for participating in the democratic process. Putting right. and out also, when they, ideas and publishing them is democracy. That's and the, not violence. Yeah. And additionally to that, when you define somebody that way and then tag them with it and treat it like it's fact well now you that you've engaged in this kind of circular reasoning where you don't have to well he's a right-wing extremist what's it's like what's the information that that he he was planning violence well, he's a right-wing extremist right-wing extremists by definition are people that plan violence in case closed qed and it's like all right well that's obviously that's obviously a conclusory they call that a conclusory statement you know like you just your argument is just that your argument is right like you know it's, it's like it's like maybe they, and, and dude lawyers have ways of sneaking those those types of things in to their arguments and you have to be clever sometimes to pick them out because they disguise them behind what seems to be like actual reasoning but it's not it's just it's just a conclusion you're just drawing a conclusion you're, you when you say he's a right-wing extremist and you define a right-wing extremist as someone who's inherently already guilty of this crime you're smuggling in a defi- you're smuggling in your case into the very definition of it and if you're having a guy testify as to the facts of this it's just it, it shouldn't matter characterizations shouldn't matter it's not relevant how you characterize him it, it's what did he actually do and that's just you well, know that's that, part of the prejudicial evidence yeah, you right. have an expert witness who comes in to expertly tell a jury that the man standing in front of them is an extremist does he ever have to present evidence then, of that yeah he did he did that's what i'm saying he then had to define extremists and he said an extremist rejects democracy engages in or encourages acts of violence or law-breaking. At this point, Sam turned around and said, actually, how can I be an extremist then? How can I be an extremist? Because I have stood for election, I deliver leaflets, I'm engaged in protests, I put up stickers, and all of these are things that are democratic. This is, this is, this is 
putting over your opinions in a lawful manner is participating in democracy. And they said, no, no. But then he then he backtracked and said, no, no. Some people participate in democracy as a cover for their extremism. All right, well, now so you just you, now so they, you, now you just unfalsifiable well, you, premise. So, like, well, 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 at that point, you can't win, can you? Right. Yeah. So, well, so, so, if you don't participate in democracy, you're an extremist. But if you do participate in a democracy, you're an extremist using your participation in democracy as a cover. Right. For so, so, yeah. Right. So, so exactly. So it's a it's a it's an unfalsifiable. You can't you no, can't yeah, be wrong. So it shouldn't it should be thrown in the called? trash. Do you know what it's called? It's called a witch trial because yeah. in Britain. Yeah. When you tried a witch, yeah. you threw her into the you threw her into the pond, yeah. and if she sank, she was innocent. But if she floated, you burned her. So right. either way, you're yeah. screwed. You're either drowning or you're being burned. So pick your poison. Would you rather your lungs fill with water? Or would you rather be burnt to death? It's it's up to you. But either way, you're dying a painful death. Either way, it's a horrifying, painful death. And that's what Sam has basically experienced. A horrifying, yeah. painful trial where he was either an extremist or an, extre- or an extremist hiding behind <laughs> democracy. You know... <laughs> Oh man, and that, and those arguments are themselves political op- opinions, because that is the political opinion of Antifa. But but an expert, that's their viewpoint. It's not fact. It's not law. It's just it's not, their it's view. Not an expert, like, a, like yeah. You see, this is the other thing, Mike. No, he's not an expert. Are, he's a political the, activist. He yeah, but, yeah. But, but there's different types of experts, isn't there? There's experts in something like physics. So if a guy who's an expert in physics comes and stands in front of a giant whiteboard and writes a huge equation in front of you that all checks out and works and provides the right answer, he's kind of proved he's an expert. And there's the sort of a scientific expert like that or a mathematical expert or an expert in chemistry that knows, you know, how acids interact with bases and what happens if you put sodium chloride on a, 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 a you know, a, a met on a certain type of metal. That's an expert. And that can be proven. What happens if you up. put it on your French fries? Sorry. <laughs> but if you've got a guy whose opinion is classed as expertise, that, that's kind of different, isn't it? Because it's yeah. not really right. an expert. It's well, that's a guy what that that's what these uh, lionizes an expert. That's what far right researchers are. Just so everyone understands, like none of these people aren't activists. All they they're, they 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 declare themselves experts and they like write blogs about how much they hate the right or how much they hate racism. But they're not they're not actually like what does it mean to be an expert in the far right? Like I'm an expert in the far right. If yeah. you want to talk about somebody who knows a lot about it. You are too. If you want to talk about somebody who knows who knows facts about the far right, who knows about the history of it, the people that were involved, the actual views that it holds, uh, we are both experts too. Why can't we testify? Well, look, 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 here's here's the thing. Here's the thing, Mike. Laura was called as an expert witness on this case. Laura was called as an expert witness and, and she started uh, she gave she gave great evidence and talked about Sam as a person. Uh, but when she was brought up there as an expert witness, she wasn't held in the same regard by, you know, the prosecution is it was almost sort of it was almost sort of looked at as well well you're sam's wife you know you're sam's wife and you put out some leaflets. Mm-hmm. How are you an expert? But really when somebody is being held up as an expert 
because of their opinions, well, anyone can be an expert. But right. really, no one's an expert unless the prosecution and the Crown say they are. And, right. and this is this is the everything is stacked against the defendant now in so many ways. And it's so unfair. And you've basically got the remnants of the fairest legal system the world has ever known. And the remnants of that wonderful legal system now are a twisted, horrible, bastardized mockery of yeah. fairness, which mm-hmm. are used in order to jail honest, decent men for nothing more than their opinions. Yep. Yeah, it's a it's an absolute travesty. I mean, you know, there's really nothing. <laughs> I, I don't know what else we could say. Um, I did want to harken back to what you said about urging people to get involved in, in the community and say that the vetting form for those of you that would like to get vetted into one of our supporter groups is on the right stuff biz slash vetting you can go there if you're listening uh now um i do have it behind the paywall for subscribers only that's because i don't want it to get spammed but um it's open for people who are listeners you can go to that form submit where you're from send, sends the email out to the local leader and then someone will get back to you and talk to you about it um and if you have problems there's a, a support email at the very bottom of the form too. So that's out there. That's the service that we're providing. Um, <clears throat> the NJP, the former NJP supporter groups are all still intact. And the leaders are all still in charge of their groups and they're all still wanting to vet people and build them. And our network is still here. Uh, and we're still going to be doing stuff in the next, uh, over the next year. And there's going to be new projects that are going to be announced some point in the next few months. I can't announce them yet because the people that are going to be heading them up don't want me to do it yet, but there is stuff happening. So just wanted to say that um, you should get involved in your local group because, as I said, even aside from these legal issues, which hopefully people will not never have to face, um, it's just good to actually even just be around people like you that also think like you so you don't feel like you're walking around lying to people all the time or in a, no one agrees with me you're completely isolated all the time um no there are lots of people that think like us and we should we need to meet each other and get to know each other so that that's my little pitch for everyone to to get vetted even in the wake of the fallout from njp uh the local groups are still doing their thing that was never none of any of that had anything to do with those guys those guys are always doing what they needed to do so uh and they're still doing it so so there's that now i don't know if there's anything else you wanted to add mark um no i mean we've, we've gone over, we've gone over it. i mean going over it again it's just like the the sheer unfairness of it the the fundamental like you know it really makes my blood boil it, it makes me like angry and of course then that's the kind of thing they would you oh look this guy this guy's like raving mad he's just, it's like no like well, Abboy, do you know, you know it's funny you say that because there is something else to say yeah um when a couple of lads were actually arrested for putting out sam stickers and released without charge but like you know obviously they scared the crap out of these lads when they arrested them you know yeah um, Sam wrote a private message about the police saying how much he despised the police for harassing people on the right. And they read those messages out in court, making Sam look like some deranged nutter for being outraged that the police were abusing people's freedom. But I want to remind everyone watching the show, whether you, whichever side of the Atlantic you live on, 
you have the absolute right, nay duty, to be outraged when the police abuse their power. But isn't that, that is, isn't that the whole reason these people were supposedly smashing statues? Yeah. I mean, suddenly now, this same system that says that people who reacted to their perception of police brutality and went out and smashed public property are doing something noble. They're now presenting, because it's the other side of the coin, it's the other side of the spectrum, presenting someone who's angry at the police for actually abusing people's rights. And all he does is say something in a private message about it. I mean, it's like, it, it actually makes me really wonder how the people like that, that would actually convict on a case like this can, can live with themselves. How can they not see these things? It's, it's very frustrating. And it's... Um, uh, you know, it's it's just it, it does. It also leaves me a bit thunderstruck because it's it's so overwhelmingly unfair, and it, it it's a testament to how uh, the way the political media poisons people's minds, such that they no longer think about fairness anymore. They think like that's a guy who I am, and they, and they accuse us of stirring up hatred, but here they are, their entire media apparatus, the entire media apparatus stirs up hatred all the time against like members of, of groups that are targeted. Like the thing is, it's just not the ones that they tell you the groups they tell you are targeted are actually elevated and put on a pedestal. And the ones that they tell you are privileged are being targeted. And that's the truth. And the Sam Sam's case is proof of that truth. White people are effectively a suspect class. You can, that's actually a term. That's actually a real term. You can look it up. It means, it means no, no, that, no. Yeah. you're, you're right. And, and, one of the things it was really funny they they sort of they said to the prosecutor said to sam you get really upset and emotional about these grooming gangs and he was like you he goes this is weird because you don't even know these girls do you why would you get so upset over 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 girls you never knew being victimized they're not members of your family are they you know why are you making such a fuss about what's wrong with you and that was his course of action if i'd have been in that witness stand i'd have turned around to him and said i dare you to go on national TV or to go out in the street even and start to ask black people in the UK why they cared about the death of George Floyd. Because you're asking a white British man why he cares passionately about the sexual I mean, abuse and rape of over be... 100,000 white British girls. But you wouldn't dare ask the black community, why they care about the death of one black man hundreds and hundreds of miles away in a country they've never been to. But they do. And they marched about it and they smashed up city centers and they pulled down statues. But this white guy who cares about... I don't about even really think that they did. I think they wanted an excuse to do that. I think there might have been some that did. But in America, a lot of these people didn't give any didn't give any craps about the political issue. They're just like, oh, we get to smash stuff. Let's go. Let's do it. Well, this is this yeah, is but the thing. I would have just called him a psycho. Like, what kind of so are you? What kind of sociopath are you that you ask this question? What, like, caring about other people, even if I haven't met them, I'm the crazy one. Well, look, you have no empathy. Is, you have no normal human emotion. Like, you know, I mean, it's it's but like the thing is, Mike. That's the problem. Yeah. Sam's a normal guy. He's a sign fitter. He's a yeah. he's a big hearted, good man who was put up against a prosecutor who's who's stood up bearing over him saying things like saying things like 
what's wrong with you? You're telling me you care about these girls you've never met. What's your major That's malfunction? bait, too. He's baiting you. And, but the thing with Sam That's there, bait. but when you're not used to yeah. facing that kind of stuff, no. it's intimidatory. I would be, like, thunderstruck more than that. anything. If it, if it had been me, I'd have turned around and said, I dare you to go out into a black area of Leeds and attempt to belittle black people for caring about the death of George. Do it. See what happens to you. Because first you'll get a kicking. And secondly, you'll get arrested afterwards for getting the kicking for insulting people. That's what will happen. But I care about these girls. Well, I I mean, I'm getting all kinds of stare. I'm getting all kinds of staircase wit now. I've been like, well, someone has to because you clearly don't. Exactly. But you clearly don't. You're the prosecutor, aren't you? supposed to prosecute these crimes. You don't seem to be too mad about it, buddy. Exactly. And you see, this is the thing. They get they get guys like Sam and they twist them up. Yeah, no. They belittle them. Look, and I was sat there when he was giving evidence. And I'll tell you, Mike, if I could have taken Sam's place... And I know that if, feel. Even if me taking his place would have meant that I'd have taken the bullet at the end of it, I'd have said, look, Sam, tap me in. I'll take yeah. the sentence for you. But I want to show this jumped up, condescending prosecutor who's boss. I want to I want to drag him like he's trying to drag you, mate. And I'd have done it for him because I was so annoyed Dude, it's the, the it's, injustice. Yeah, no, I, I know that feel. I mean, look, Staircase Wit is always hot and heavy, but like at the same time, it's like immediately when you said that, like, <laughs> the retorts just started, you know, but the thing is, coming like, into my mind. I, but like, yeah, you and, I are, you and I are the kings of the debating scene. When yeah. it comes to when it comes to the quote unquote dissident right, no one does the debating better than you and I. And we spoke about this before. Yeah. But for everybody else, for everybody else, it's a more difficult thing. Just like if you said to me, look, Mark speak a foreign language i can't speak foreign languages i can't play musical instrument instruments and i've got two left feet if i try to dance i basically just look like a fool they're not my skills and this was putting a guy in this position and making him fight for his life and freedom in an arena that he's not comfortable with, with none of the protections that used to exist for men put in that position. This was terrible. And that's why I'm asking people to, you know, to help Sam and Laura and back them as much as they can. Back Sam and Laura, back their child, back their unborn baby. You know, these people are salt of the earth people who've been put through the meat grinder for simply caring about our people and trying to act, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to act. You know, that's, that's the long and short of this. Yeah, I don't really know much else to say. Um, you know, thank you for coming on and filling us in about all of this. Well, look, um, there is a couple of other things. Okay, I sure. Want yeah, whatever else we want to say. Just yeah. a couple of things. Look, me, Sam, Laura, we're three of the most deplatformed people in the UK. Please follow us on Telegram. Yeah. Follow us on Odyssey. Follow us on Gab, on BitChute, on Rumble. I know you guys are good people. I know everyone listening to this. The vast majority of them will be good people, bar you know, whoever's working for the state who's recording this to prosecute me at a later date. But um, the point is, if you're one of the good people, it's 
it makes it, it's no bones for you to go and follow me on Odyssey and Gab and Telegram and all my platforms. But it means a great deal for me. Those interactions raise us back up after these brutal deplatformings. Please do continue to support us, guys. Stay in the fight. Continue to support Mike. Continue to support all the people who are good in the NJP. You know, help us all out. Don't give up this fight because there are people out there now who need you in their corner. And Sam and Laura are two of the dearest, most wonderful, kindest, decent people I've ever met. And Sam is the nuts. Look, Sam is the kind of guy that works eight hours and then you give him a ring and say, can you come and help me put up this shed, mate? And he'll come and help you in his free time. Put up, put up, you know, put up your shed. Then he'll drive away, stop and get fish and chips for his family. Um, you know, and buy some chips for the homeless guy who sits outside the chip shop. That is Sam. That's the kind of guy he is. He spends his life helping others. Now he needs you in his corner helping him. I know you're good people. I know you will. Thanks yeah. for having me on, Mike. It's always sure a thing, pleasure. Sure thing. Absolutely. I hope I can get you back on PWR again oh, yeah. soon. Uh, so, yeah, PWR as soon as you want. Still going and you know. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's unfortunate that you know this is the topic that we had, but I wanted you to be able to give all the nitty gritty details and ins and outs of this. So I did, I because I, I can only because I can only get so much information from the press and Telegram, but having you tell us for two hours what went on, I think it makes it so uh, in America people will have a much better understanding of of everything that was going on. So thanks for coming on and, and explaining it, and uh, yeah. Um, TDS will be back tomorrow and uh, you listeners know the schedule for the site so thanks everyone and thanks Mark and we'll see you guys later